This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And we are giving you a Super Bowl 55 preview. Very late on, I will say, and uh, unfortunately life happens that way. This week has been um, a confluence of events, uh, to say the least. Uh, But we have a few things to try and discuss before we get to the big game. Um, And frankly, most of what our show does is kind of reaction. So I think our reaction to the Super Bowl is probably going to be the bigger episode coming out of this. But a couple of things to just visit. So number one, you and I have a offer on the table. I had someone approach me and I haven't talked to you about this in in open spaces. I wanted to talk about it on the air. We had somebody else approach us about starting a new dynasty league. Super flex with tight end priority or tight end premium, I think it is. Now, I think a good potential subject for the offseason is to visit some of these complicated rules systems and do a pros and cons list. So like super flex, um, the the uh, tight end premium. Um, I know there are some leagues that are suggesting different playoff formats. So continuing fantasy into the playoffs. Um, things of that nature, best ball, uh, the DFS type situation from a a weekly standpoint, salary cap, and there's a bunch of different things that we can review. And frankly, there are even a few more that uh, I know I read an article from Matthew Berry from ESPN at one point. Um, He had like five or six really weird uh, type of uh, leagues, but we might uh, do one on PPR scoring and some of that. So I think that's an interesting space. But I told this person, even though, uh, just for all disclosure, I'm not a particular fan of Superflex nor tight end um, premium, at least the way tight ends are currently or the tight end market is currently constructed because Travis Kelsey offers so much of an upside at this point. It would be like a cheat code. Right. But I also don't like the Superflex, and you can wait for our Superflex episode for my thoughts on that one. So – I guess this person was more or less gauging our interest level. I said I would participate because I think it's best if I'm participating in a lot of different leagues or atmospheres for the sake of the show. Uh, Obviously, our Dynasty League is being my preference because, well, one, I got a hand in constructing all of the rules. But two, we have a history. Three, the show has already been based upon it. And four, I'm the commissioner. So, yeah. Uh, For me, I don't really know a whole lot about the different types of leagues. Like I just play the straight up leagues. Um, PPR is what I personally prefer more than standard scoring. When I first started fantasy, I was all standard, did PPR one year and fell in love with PPR. Now, the same could be said for Dynasty. I'm pretty sure you approached me when you changed the league over to Dynasty. And I'm pretty positive I told you I just don't know a lot about it. It really wasn't for me at that time. Luckily, you came back around to ask me again, and now I can't really think of another type of fantasy format I would want to be playing because I love Dynasty football. 
That being said, I don't know if I'd have the same reaction with these other, with the super flexes, with, especially with the tight end premium. And I just don't know too much about it. And yeah, exactly the way the tight end market is. It's like there's three really, really good tight ends and then everyone else is kind of just, they fall as they may. So yeah, I would just have to do a little bit more research on it to find out more about it. Because I, I guess that's kind of just my only issue. I just don't know enough about it. Yeah, I understand. I I've read up so much on this, but you only can get uh, so much from just knowing about it or understanding it as a concept. It's a completely different thing when you're experiencing playing it. Right. And exactly why I said I, I would participate for that particular reason. Um, he's trying to stir up interest in it. And I did invite this individual onto the program to talk about it. He uh, was not willing, at least at this time, uh, feeling his inadequacy, which I, if anybody's ever listened to the show, I think we're, you know, we we try and brush ourselves off as being these great uh, fantasy experts, but we're just kind of two. Um, we're just a couple of dudes. <laughs> yeah. We're just about any other dudes, except that uh, I'm single and I devote a lot of my time towards these endeavors. So I like to sound like I, I know what I'm doing, but uh, that's exactly it. I sound like I know what I'm doing. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if that would be it, but I will, uh, without revealing this person's identity, because uh, we'll, we'll protect it since they declined to come on the show, at least up to this point. Uh, it is somebody from our uh, neighborhood slash high school uh, who is a few years behind us. So I will tell you who it is offline. Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, but for sure, I would just need to know more about it. And then I well, would make a, okay, make so a judgment about it then. So basically the intuition is, is that I think you'd get, uh, although I don't know exactly because we didn't go through every one of the rules, but his inclination is he thinks the quarterback position in standard scoring is devalued, which I, I agree to. In our league, we offset that by either adding uh, bonus points or different um, avenues toward that. Um, also, the fact that 300 yards passing is an additional bonus uh, set of points. And there are more quarterbacks that throw for 300 yards in a game than uh, receivers that go over 100 yards receiving or running backs that go over 100 yards rushing or, or things of that nature. Um, the long touchdown passes also aids in trying to um, offset the quarterback points and the fact that I uh, uh, set. So normally a single point for standard scoring, I think, is 25 yards passing. Our league, it's 20 yards passing and has been since, gosh, going back probably about 15 years before it was a dynasty league. So now I will also say that the other small details that I got out of this person were it would be a 25 man roster and you'd keep everybody from year to year, but it would only be a four uh, draft or four round draft. So there'd be one draft for selection and then you'd keep 25 from year to year, which I do enjoy the, uh, aspect of trying to do that as a different system, because I I've advocated at times for more, uh, keepers in our league. And I think we only do 22, if I remember correctly with a seven round draft and uh, 15 rollover from year to year. So that way that the positioning works out. So I don't know how you'd construct it in an online capacity um, to make all of that work within somebody's online site. But those are the few things, at least for now, that I've uh, been given to work with. Oh, I, I should mention Superflex uh, for the, I, I suppose, uninitiated. 
uh, more often than not ends up being a secondary quarterback. Uh, basically, the way I think of Superflex is it's like having Taysom Hill on your fantasy roster. So just just gets you a little bit more. Like well, it points, I guess. well, it basically gives you the strategy that you have to start two quarterbacks per week. So the avenue of streaming quarterbacks or what a starter would be, it becomes that much bigger a deal. So Patrick Mahomes' value as the number one overall pick would be that much more because you only have 32 starters on a weekly basis and 20 of them are likely to be playing or uh, in your fantasy starting lineup. And if everybody even takes a third, that's literally all of the starters. So that's going to end up uh, really eating into the ratio of who's actually credible and who's not, where all of a sudden Mitchell Trubisky is somehow a viable fantasy option. Sounds interesting. <laughs> well, it presents different challenges. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing. And I think that's why doing an episode on it you know, later on in the off season here, when we have some space to kind of carve out and do some different things, I think is worth the time. Um, one of the ones that I also would like to explore is the concept of a vampire league. So I'll let you all Google that one for yourselves. I was going to say, I don't know what that is. Yep. That's exactly my point. So, all right. The next thing I wanted to do is uh, kind of somewhat of an apology. So if you uh, all... Uh, just to reveal a little bit behind the course of the show, I do the recordings, I do most of the um, topic selection, I do all of the editing for the most part of, of this stuff. And one thing I've noticed, uh, particularly over the playoffs here, is I must love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> because I, I seemingly have or feel, feel like I need to fill a ton of space in these episodes and I am constantly talking and most times I'm even talking over you. So I'm trying to make a conscious effort, not only to not do that, but here's the other thing. And this is something I'm going to be doing on my other show as well, but I want to figure out avenues. And so part of this is to brainstorm with you, but one, I'm sorry for being such a large personality presence. I, I, I'm an unassuming person that, tries, but sometimes I have to realize my own inadequacies. But I want to see what you might be willing to do to carve out more spaces for yourself on the show. I mean, this is half your program, so what is it that you think from a personality standpoint you could carve out for yourself? Oh boy. You know, that's kind of crazy because i I've known you for a long time, so I kind of just know your personality and I know you like to talk. So for me, it hasn't really been a huge issue. Um, but I don't know. Avenues, maybe just give me something and I'll run away with it. If you want me to do certain segments or something like that, and let me run away with it. I'm not. I came into like... it knowing that you would be the ideas guy. That's what I came into it knowing. Sure. <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to think of ways for like season two here that we can let you flourish, um, give you some stuff to kind of let your personality out a little bit. Um, I don't know if, if, we, if we have to do um, some brainstorm concepts. So I, this is, like I said, this is going to be another like thing. A, 
maybe like a two minute rant about something each week. You're like, you know, what okay. really grinds my gears. Yes. <laughs> you can do an Andy Rooney section and God, I know that that's so white, but all right. That works That'd for be me. Fun. That would be fun. Cause there are things that week He's to week ranting. upside the crap. <laughs> I'll give you like six topics to choose from of potential stuff for the week. And we'll give you like three of them that you can rant on. That's cool. That's fun for me. Yeah, I'll turn that into my thing. Sounds good. good. Yeah, and I won't have an opinion one way or the other. (laughs) Maybe you just agree or disagree, but that way we can carve out some space for you. (laughs) Cool. I like it. So the next thing I had, and this is probably, you know, we're getting into the space where we love the transactions and the offseason almost as much as the actual season itself. Uh, that has been the case for the NBA. And while I don't think it's great for the health of the season of the NBA, it helps for when we get to the playoffs and it does keep the cycle more interesting as we continue along, because usually the off seasons and the summers are rather boring, frankly, because it's just baseball and well, who cares anymore? But I want to, uh, discuss Basically the biggest, but not going to be the last big transaction that's going on. So Jared Goff, two first rounders and a third, and his contract traded to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. So there are two angles to go on this, but what do you think is the most important aspect to this trade? Thinking about it, we we it's been, gosh, almost a week at this point to kind of think on it. What do you think is the most or the biggest part of this? I just don't know really what the lions are thinking. I mean, I, they got a crap ton of picks in return, but that Mm -hmm. Jared Goff contract is just awful. Like it's bad, bad, bad. So I'm super surprised that the Rams were able to get rid of it. I'm not as yeah They gave up a lot of picks, but I'm not as concerned about the picks because if you're a decent enough football team, Those picks are going to be in the late 20s, you know, early to late 20s anyway. Yeah, you can get some players there, but the Rams haven't been shy about trading away picks ever. You know, I don't even know the last time they had their own first round pick. So Uh, before Trump was in office. Yeah, I mean, they're going for it and they've been going for it. I think the move to L.A. really did a lot for that, too. So I'm just. The Lions are going to keep being the Lions, you know. I'm not really worried about that and who they are going to be. It's just really surprising that you have an opportunity to start over, you're getting a new coach, all that other nonsense, and then you burden yourself with a contract like this. Yeah, you got a lot of picks, but they're going to be late first-round picks. So, I don't know. Well, I think that's part of it, and I think that the Rams basically take the tact that the NBA's had that trading first-round picks past a certain point is pretty much meaningless to them. Uh, other teams value first-round picks a lot more than uh, clearly the Rams do, and they're trying to build their team in other ways, which they've at least been successful keeping themselves afloat. And I do think that Stafford is better than Jared Goff. Yeah, 100%. Even right now. 100%. And Stafford is good with a deep ball. So if they figure out a way of getting a deep ball receiver on that team, because Robert Woods doesn't have the same speed that he did in college or even his first few years in the NFL when he was with the Bills. And Cooper Cup is a slot guy. He is not a 
deep threat. So I, I wonder who their deep receiver is going to be. I think your and my thought has been somebody like a Van Jefferson. But I love I love me some Van. One clear implication, and I'll get to the Lions here in a second because I think you make an interesting point. I think this vaults Cam Akers in pre-draft rankings of above DeAndre Swift, where I thought they would have been about even before the trade. Just because I think Stafford improves that offense and uh, leads that Akers is not going to have to go against quite as big a stacked box as he otherwise would have with Jared Goff. Same on the flip side. And we knew Stafford was leaving, so I think Swift was going to be graded down. Uh, but realistically, the Lions are probably going to start Goff because they're paying him that money. And the, he's going to be the transition quarterback until they can draft and groom another guy. I think they have a top five pick going into this draft. I think I can't so. remember exactly which pick. I think so. So I think they're going to be building out their team for depth and a few other things. And they have some contracts coming off the books. So I know that they can pay it because they're not going to pay Kenny Galladay to come back. They're not going to pay Marvin Jones to come back. So it's interesting where those guys are going to be. They've got Hawkinson. They've got Swift. They've got a couple other guys on defense that they've selected in high draft picks. I would imagine that they're going to stack up the depth of the team overall and then draft or sign a quarterback to try and uh, figure things out. Because I think quarterback is on the precipice where they're going to be closer to what we're getting in the NBA with like the Kevin Durant, LeBron James moves, especially if this Deshaun Watson thing comes about where I, I'm still waiting to see how that one develops. And gosh darn it, I don't, at this point, we've speculated a lot. The Texans say they're not going to trade him. So if they'd. That'd be stupid he, not to. That's my opinion. They'd be stupid not to. Well, if they can reasonably keep him, I think that's the best solution for everybody. Um, for, well, maybe not for Deshaun Watson, but. <laughs> but reasonably. Like the Texans holding on to him is actually the better play, but the longer they hold on to him and the more he could potentially sit out or that he's going to force that's the what, issue, their market is going to go down. That's what I think is going to happen. If they hold on to him, I don't think he plays. I do not think he takes another snap as a Houston Texan. He may be on the roster, but I don't think he takes another snap there. Well, and the other problem with this, and somebody highlighted this over, uh, gosh, I can't even remember which program, but with the new collective bargaining agreement, he could be fined up to $3 million before the season even starts for missing camp and uh, preseason games and all that sort of thing. And they cannot, under the new rules, give it back to him, where some teams used to, if you had a holdout and you signed a new deal, they'd give you basically your fine money back or at least give you like partial portions of it back. Now they are incentivized not to because they'll be fined by the league for doing so. So if he holds out, he's going to be losing a lot of money. Now I think he's made enough at this point to make enough of a statement for not playing or trying to force the issue. But I just, I think that's a very big situation that we have hanging over the rest of this. Now the people that specifically say Deshaun Watson's going to fetch more because the Jared Goff Stafford trade had so many picks in it and the rest of it. I think that has more to do with contract situations than it does anything on the talent evaluation of Watson. So I think they're two very different trades and I, I don't want to say one has influence over the other. Cause I think 
the Deshaun Watson trade is very much like um, if the Cavaliers had traded LeBron right about that point. And I, I don't mince words saying that, like, Deshaun Watson is not as good as LeBron or whatever. If you want to send me that hate mail, the email address is dynastydownload10gmail.com. <laughs> I don't really care because I, I can argue both sides of it. I'm talented at arguing, and Ethan, for knowing me as long as he has, knows I can argue both sides up and down all day long until I'm blue in the face. Sometimes you do it in the same conversation just to be an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's just who I am. No, but, but I, I completely understand where you're – the level of where Deshaun Watson is and his talent in the NFL right now, I could say you could equate that to where LeBron was, you know, with his time in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland was LeBron. Houston is Deshaun Watson. And he's one of – you know, I've kind of – I know I've been kind of hard on him, but seeing what he did with nobody around him this year has really vaulted him up my boards. I think he's like one of the top five – top seven quarterbacks in the NFL right now too. So for Deshaun, I, if I was him knowing all of this, knowing that you just signed a fan contract with a huge signing bonus and all that fun stuff too, I'd say, let him find me. That's just not an organization that I want, would want to be a part of, especially if JJ Watt is leaving too, like then you're literally going to be by yourself. So because Goff is a pocket passer, I still think with DeAndre Swift being the best passing down back on the roster that he's going to have uh, dump off value. He's going to catch a lot of passes that they're just uh, moving the ball because he's the dump off guy. But I think Stafford clearly goes into another tier. Now, whether or not he becomes uh overdrafted, which I can definitely see. I think there have been some reactions that are just ridiculous, like Stafford potentially going above Aaron Rodgers right now in just random redraft leagues. That makes absolutely no sense. Uh, But I could see, depending on how the new offense shakes out for Seattle, I could definitely see Stafford being drafted above Russell Wilson right now. I know that Wilson offers some rushing value, but he's not going in the top five. He's not going to go above... Uh, Josh Allen. He's not going to go above Mahomes. He's not going to go above Kyler Murray. He's not going to go above Dak. So I still think Stafford is in that eight to nine round range for redraft. And then you'd have to see as far as dynasty value, but his dynasty value shoots way up um, because he's going to have, I think he's like 33, 34. Yeah, Yeah. He's not like over the hill. You know, especially in today's quarterbacks, the way they're protecting all that stuff, like he's still really well in his prime. So I and now he's got nice, fun weapons around him as well with a nice, fun running back behind him. He's got a very good defense to depend on. You know, I also agree that he has a big boost in dynasty value, not, you know, over the top. Like I'm agreeing with 110 percent of everything that you said. That's where I would have him, too. Basically, take a small upgrade on the Rams across the board and take a small downgrade on the Lions across the board. That That's basically what I'm getting. So, But since we've already discussed Deshaun Watson, let's kind of go into this quarterback carousel. How many teams right now do you say with, that you are 100% confident you know exactly who their starter is going to be on day one next season? So I've got Seattle, I've got Arizona, I've got Kansas City, 
I've got Baltimore. I've got Buffalo. And I've got Cleveland. And Green Bay. I'm not willing to go there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Again, this is 100% certainty. I have 95% certainty, but there's a 5% chance I'm going to leave that door open. Okay. I Uh, I guess I just needed to know where the scale was. Well, I I treat the uh, Packers quarterback situation like I treat Tampa Bay's. Like, we'll know a little bit more after this weekend. If Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, gets up on the podium and says, all right, um, I'm cashing out, fuckers. Bye. Like, but otherwise, he's going to be Tampa Bay starter. But I would put the same level of confidence on Kirk Cousins right now. Like, you would expect with his contract and what the Vikings have invested in him, he's going to be the starter. But there's still that 5% chance, 10% chance that the Vikings figure out how to upgrade despite their cap issues. I think there's maybe maximum 10 teams that you can say with 100% confidence they know who their starter is going to be next season. Uh, I would put the Chargers in that category. I would put the Rams in that category now that they've changed starters. I would put uh, Cincinnati in that category. If he's healthy enough. Yeah, if he's healthy. Uh, but even then, I don't think they're moving on from him. But th- you know who their long-term starter is. Basically, their seasonal starter is going to be. See, that's the thing. I have more confidence that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback in Green Bay next year than I do of Joe Burrow being the starting quarterback in Cincinnati for the years to come. Like, if they – because they – what draft pick do they have? Do they have number one, number two? They're in the top three, Cincinnati? though, right? Yeah. No, they're not in the top three. Really? Miami's got the third pick from Houston, and – uh, the second pick is the Jets. The first pick is Jacksonville. And then after that, I think Cincinnati might have five or six. Yeah, I mean, if one of those quarterbacks makes it past, you know, I could see Cincinnati taking a quarterback again. I could. I could. I suppose, but I don't think any of them has the immediate value because Burrow did play very well. Mm-hmm. Um that he's going to have, and I would rather spend the pick on something I would deem more uh, functional in the short term because there Cincinnati has a lot of needs. Um, like for the but the, say Justin Fields or something falls, he's still on the board when Cincinnati's picking, just for shits and giggles. It would depend on who else is there because I've seen a lot of draft boards have uh, Panay Sewell, the left tackle from Oregon, that like everybody loves. Uh, falling almost to like number 10 because of the amount of quarterbacks. If he's available for Cincinnati and given that your franchise quarterback just blew out his knee, (laughs) I would much rather have that guy. I I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I'm just saying I have more confident that Aaron Rodgers is going to be quarterback in green Bay than Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. That's just where we differ. That's all I'm not. I I feel that there's more teams than 10 that, for sure know who their quarterback is going to be next year. But I hear what you're saying. Well, if you're going above the 90% rate, which I think is still a an awfully high degree of uh, certainty, then you're probably throwing in Green Bay. You're probably throwing in Detroit, uh, Minnesota. Uh, I think uh, you'd probably throw in Dallas. Uh, the the degree of which that I leave the door open for Dallas is if they can't figure out the contract situation with Dak. Um, 
But I mean, how many other teams are you are you realistically throwing in there? I mean, we're we're talking about Miami. You don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. You're talking about New England. You're talking about Philadelphia. You're talking about Washington. I wouldn't even necessarily put that Daniel Jones is going to be the day one starter for the Giants, let alone the Jets, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Texans. Um, you know, I'm not I saying mean, I have a million more than you. I'm just saying some of the ones that you said maybe, I'm more 100% than you are 90. At this point, I'm not even sure the Raiders want Derek Carr to be their starter. Yeah, I don't he know actually played reasonably yeah. well this season. Yeah, there's a lot of talk that he's going to be moved. Like, I could see Derek Carr coming in and being a reasonable, if not great, starter for Indianapolis. Like, that would be a great upgrade on what they have currently available, even over Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, but you think about Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, uh, that we have at least four draftable quarterbacks that may or may not go in the top uh, 10. And then you throw in that Mac Jones has been talked about. Um, I, I just... I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be moving that are going to be um, interesting chess pieces as to how the offseason is going to go. And you and I might end up doing these 15-minute emergency pods where, like, you know, there's some big trade and we're like, oh, yeah, well, let's just give our quick reaction. So I, I just think there's a lot more to come. This is just the first shoe. So, all right, other things to cover. So I retooled the website. I'm going to give you personal access to put up articles on it. So that has been redone. So uh, if I post the link in the web notes, uh, you can get to it from there. But uh, I retooled my personal blog into our company website. So now it is the Ronnie Duncan Studios website. Uh, the domain address is a little more complicated, which is why I can't just give it out to you. Like rdstudios.com is not the thing right now, just because uh, we're operating on the cheap yet. Uh, if you want to get the newsletter, however, if you go into the website at the bottom of every page, there is a subscribe form that you can turn in so that you are on the email uh, for the website as well as uh, there is membership to the website. So you will have a profile within that, but then I collect the email addresses. You will be uh, tuned into the newsletter for that. So other potential off-season announcements. So we already talked about doing the special leagues rule mini episodes uh, so things like Superflex or tight end premium, that sort of thing. We are going to be doing a pre-draft episode. In fact, I think I've had four different people say they wanted to be on that episode. So there may be a whole host of different things. Man, we're going to uh, have to get like a round table or something going. I think we may end up having to do different ones. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to do um, in the offseason that I think we did well last year is I'd like to go team by team and uh, reassess everybody's roster, but we'll do those each in their own episode instead of having those like mass episodes that we did last season. So that's a potential avenue. So there's a lot of stuff that we can still do. The other thing that I wanted to revisit is if we could figure out how to put together a dynasty trade value ranking. So I sent you something during the middle of the season, and I think Ben um, was on that chat feed, uh, but basically what is Patrick Mahomes worth you know what it like his can we set a value like he has 30 points toward a trade or something and 30 points equals um, x number of first rounders and like number one running backs and that sort of thing you know what what 
value sets do we uh, traditionally have for all of that. So I, I think that'd be an interesting thing to see if we can try and do, because once we've created that master list and we kind of go through it, I think that'd be uh, one thing to potentially drive uh, traffic on the website. The other thing, if we get some interest, I thought about possibly raffling off a opportunity to Zoom call you and I during the draft. <laughs> For live like. draft reaction. <laughs> Man, you really had your think tank going, huh? Yeah, I've had some time kind of kicking around at work. <laughs> it's been a little bit slow. I like it. I like okay. it. So those are just a few things to tease around. And again, if you want to contact the show, think any of those ideas are good, uh, want to be a part of it, any of those things, sign up for the newsletter, uh, dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. All right, so let's get to Super Bowl 55. I was heavy on the Chiefs when we did our uh, recap of the championship game picks. I'm a little less confident now, but I'll just say I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. But they are missing both of their starting left tackles, or excuse me, not left tackle, their right tackle and their left tackle now. They're missing their uh, starting center coming into the season, and they're missing at least one of their guards who opted out before the season. So of the five offensive linemen that they had going into last year's Super Bowl, one of them is currently on the offensive line. And Pat Mahomes was uh, hobbled by a turf toe issue a couple of weeks ago. Now, the two weeks to heal up and do whatever, I think, helps his potential mobility. Some people have said that the travel issue with the fact that Tampa Bay has not had to travel, they're the home team, uh, they don't have to go through some of the same restrictions, Kansas City only getting there as of, I think, Thursday, is going to really hamper their ability to prepare. I don't think that's quite the case because Kansas City went through some of this last year, and I think they're a fairly professional organization. So... Extraneous factors aside, what do you think is going to be the difference in this game? I think it's going to be getting to the quarterback. You know, um, even watching the Buccaneers-Packer, you know, NFC Championship game, Aaron was under a pretty decent amount of pressure. His offensive line was graded the worst that game all seat then all season. Buccaneers right. got a nasty defense. They got a nasty front seven and. Like you mentioned, that Chiefs offensive line is hobbled. That's the one thing that worries me about the Chiefs. I'm still going, I'm still picking the Chiefs. I don't know if that's biased because I'm still mad or not, but, <laughs> you know, I think, I think pressuring the quarterback is going to be the thing that's going to win this game. So the Buccaneers are extremely good at uh, side to side defense, forcing you to have to try and beat them vertically which is what the Chiefs did in that first quarter when Tyreek Hill racked up over 200 yards in that game a few weeks ago. Uh, well, actually, at this point, a few months ago. Gosh, it doesn't feel like that long, but okay. Anyway, when the Chiefs won in Tampa Bay, um, I think that was, what, week 13, 14, whatever it was, Tyreek Hill had an absolutely enormous game in that one. Yeah, so, I was playing against him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that was the Derek game. <laughs> God, and I think he had like 66 <laughs> points in that one. It was just, just I got my ass kicked. <laughs> I 
I think the Chiefs are going to, and they're really good about this, but spreading you out distinctly and trying to beat you on the speed horizontally so that they can beat you vertically. So I think, and it's not just a matter of Tyreek Hill. I think it's Mecole Hardman as well. I think they're going to have to try and do a few things to try and flank them on the outsides to spread them thin um, as a wider proportion so that they can then beat them over the top. Uh, I th- For as much as I thought Travis Kelsey was going to be the MVP of the championship game, at this point I think Tyreek Hill has to be the MVP for the Chiefs uh, in order for them to win. And there really isn't a game this year that he hasn't shown up or at least been a big part of it, especially even during the last uh, portion of the season, the playoff run, etc. And frankly, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill basically have to show up uh, on the field and they get 100 yards at this point. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. The other side of the ball, which I know not as many people focus on because realistically Tampa got here on the strength of their defense and turnovers and big plays, is can Tom Brady basically win uh, or make enough plays against a, you know, average Chiefs defense? So for me, other than the horizontal aspect, which team makes the bigger defensive plays. There's going to be a point in this game where there's going to be a big turnover or a big sack, something that is going to, or maybe a fourth down conversion by an offense. You know, can somebody make a stop when they absolutely need to? The Chiefs have been really good about that on defense the last two years under Spagnolo in creating those big play moments and capitalizing on them. Tyron Matthew, uh, Legereus Sneed, those types of guys, Chris Jones, uh, creating a play when they absolutely need to have one that kind of flips the game on its head. And I think more than anything else, because a lot of how Tampa has won this playoff run has been on a big turnover or a big play, something like that, that puts them, you know, gives them a certain margin. I think whichever team comes up with the bigger defensive play that flips the game a little bit on a momentum axis because I do think this is maybe a little bit closer than I thought it was, that's going to end up deciding the game in some fashion. Yeah, and I think it's the Chiefs that make that play. Tom Brady threw three interceptions two weeks ago. You know, he hasn't been lights out this playoffs, and you've said it yourself. You know, they've kind of vaulted here because of the on the strength of their defense. Right. I think it's the Chiefs that end up making a big play, and I think it's an interception of Tom Brady later on in the game. So, yeah, I just I just don't I'm not buying into what they've been trying to what they've been trying to sell all week long, that it's Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's Patrick Mahomes against the Tampa Bay defense. I think Tom Brady is a he's a very good quarterback, obviously very accomplished and all that other nonsense. We know who Tom Brady is, but I don't think he is who he's been throughout his career at this point in his career. So I think the chiefs make a big play and pick Tom Brady off later on in the game. I wouldn't certainly put it past them. Uh, You made a comment in last week's episode that uh, a lot of the reason that the Packers were able to pick off Brady was the internal pressure up in his face. And traditionally we've known that interior pressure from your D tackles has always been a big deal. In this particular case, the chiefs have, Chris Jones, who is one of the best D tackles in football, basically outside of Aaron Donald. And frankly, there's a big chasm between everybody in the NFL and Aaron Donald. But 
you know, that doesn't put that Chris Jones is a bad tackle. It's just that Aaron Donald's that much better than everybody. That being said, Chris Jones had some big plays in last year's Super Bowl. And I thought part of the reason that I picked Kansas City to win that game was Patrick Mahomes' ability to buy time or his mobility to escape a lot of pass rushers. I think in this game, his athletic ability is going to be the biggest part of avoiding that pressure and making delivered throws in time, in rhythm to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all of these outlet guys. No, I agree 110%. The mobile, that's where it is. You know, the mobility of the quarterbacks is what's going to play a huge difference. Tom Brady's not going to be able to get away from that pressure, which is then going to force him to throw errant throws, which he did two weeks ago. The thing is, I just think the Chiefs are going to pick off every single one that they can, unlike the Packers. They let that one go, and I think that was one of the bigger plays in the game last or two weeks ago. All right, so I guess it's time for picks and MVPs. I'm going to go, I think I've already uh, basically given mine. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take them by seven. And I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill as the Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to go Chiefs, too. I think it's even closer than you think it is. Um, I'm going to go Chiefs by four. Okay, so outside the spread. And I am going to, as my MB, you know, I was sitting at Travis Kelsey all week long, too, but I really think they're going to try to have some type of plan for him. So I'm just going to go with the basic. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. I think he has a couple different touchdowns to a couple different guys, and that's what will get him as MVP. Yeah, I wish we were a little bit better about selecting game MVPs in the Super Bowl because there are at least three right. Super Bowl MVPs yep. that Tom Brady shouldn't have. So. Yep. yep, but he plays quarterback, Tom, but he plays quarterback. You can tell me that all <laughs> you want. But I don't Ty agree Law with it. Ty Law should have had the one You're for damn Super Bowl right. yep. 36, I think it was, against the yep. Rams when he had a pick six. Uh, you could easily have given uh, Malcolm Butler the one because he literally How he up- didn't win that Super Bowl MVP. Well, it's is not beyond me. It's not the one that makes me the most upset. Let's because hear it. I'm a Badger homer on this one. Let's uh, hear it. James White, James White, Super yeah. Bowl 51. I mean, yep. literally the game flipped when they took out every other running back. Just put yep. James White in, and he dumped the ball off to him. I don't know, like what ten times in that game to basically go to a passing up-tempo offense. And he scored several pivotal moments in the game, including the two-point conversion and I think the overtime touchdown. So I, I thought that was a, an absolute travesty. And at that point, I had sobered up enough because I think uh, I had picked the Falcons to win in the bar that I was in. So my shots had been over for like an hour and a half by that point, whereas I had to drive my dad <laughs> by that time of the game. That was a, that was a fun Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, back when we could actually go outside and yeah. you know, talk to people in in uh, confined spaces. That was that was many moons ago, my Thomas. Mm. Many moons ago. Oh, one day. <laughs> one day again. So, uh, as far as the playoff fantasy draft, I have one last trick up my sleeve. So this is going to be a small issue, and I'm going to talk this out as best as I can. You and I were very, very excited earlier this week about a certain announcement from EA Sports. The college fantasy football game is coming back. Now, the problem I'm seeing is they don't know when. I have heard everything from 
it being this fall to next fall to 2023, which yeah, is I heard, point, why I announced heard 2023. Yeah, I heard 2023. But uh, we agreed on no stakes necessarily. Okay. So I have a couple of potential offerings where it's door number one, door number two, and you can trade out. So I am the prohibitive favorite to win this year's fantasy playoff draft. Uh, I believe so. Just to remind the audience, uh, you have 334.7 points to my 392.95, which would, you know, you could potentially do, except I still have Travis Kelsey, Tom Brady, and Antonio Brown, uh, who we don't know whether he's going to play or not. Uh, Also for refresher, you have Patrick Mahomes and Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill. So it is doable depending on how the game goes. If basically Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes collect for or connect for uh, two very long touchdowns or like Reek has that huge game that he did the first time against Tampa Bay, who knows? But, and this is where it's going to come in, I am still the favorite. So as such, I'm going to offer you a slight lifeline. You can trade out your current status, but then the stakes are going to be slightly reversed so my thought was is the uh uh, round of i don't know like the bar bill during ben's bachelor party uh (laughs) it was a potential stake okay and uh, again i'm 30 so i don't drink nearly as much as i used to in my early 20s but where uh if you were to win the super bowl with this new draft then you only have to pay for, uh, or excuse me, at that point, if you win, I would pay for a, uh, or your round of bar bill. Again, this is where it gets complicated. If you win the redraft, if you win regularly, so you keep the team that you have now and you make up the 60 some points to win regularly, I would owe you a copy of college football. (laughs) Now here's where the double or nothing factor comes in. If we don't redraft, you would uh, then owe me the copy of college football. But if we do redraft and I somehow win, you would only owe me the bar bill. I think if that, and let me try and rethink this because I think the double stakes is where, nope, that's the opposite. All right. So if we don't redraft and I still win because I'm the prohibitive favorite. Right. It should just be bar bar bill. bill. Yeah. If we do redraft and I still win, then it would be the then game. it would be a game. No, man, I think I'm going to keep it the same because I'm having faith in Tyreek Hill. He kicked my ass one week, and I'm hoping that with my good karma and all that, it'll come back and help me out in this one. All right, so then the stakes are thus. If you come back to win, I owe you the first version yep. of college football. Yeah. And if you uh, lose, as you possibly want to do, you have one night of the bar bill for Ben's bachelor party. If for we're the whole bachelor party? Or no, for no, no, just, just the one evening, because I don't know if it's going to go multiple. But for everybody? No, 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 just me. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm not making you pay for everybody. God, I was gonna, they're, they're not enormous. even involved. <laughs> yeah. No, that's I mean, cool. That's cool. I should I almost just make you pay for Benny's. I mean, that I get would be <laughs> more yeah, than that. Yeah, that would hurt. That would hurt. That would hurt. Um, but he's going to have so many drinks bought, bought for him. It doesn't even matter. 
Um, not really true. <laughs> no, we'll we'll do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay the same, hoping that Tyreek um, pulls yeah, through for me. Sounds good. So if you somehow come back, you've got an addition of college football coming your way. When I do come back. Mm. <laughs> so any last thoughts before we head into our second to last or finish up our second to last episode of the season? Nah, no, I'm I'm super excited um, that it's Super Bowl time and also really sad that it's Super Bowl time. I always feel like the football <laughs> yep. season flies very very quickly and then it's just a whole summer of waiting for it to come back um i'm i'm honestly i'm just grateful that we had a football season this year because this summer i didn't think it was going to happen yep we've said it multiple times we thought things were closing down and the fact that we just plowed through and that uh for the most part it seemed pretty normal uh the super bowl is probably going to feel like the most abnormal version of this because yep you know, even though there are going to be fans there, like, I don't know how much is going to go on with the performance and the pomp and circumstance. And I think last year we had, what, the 100 greatest players on the field ahead of the game and all this other stuff that was going on. And it felt normal. This is going to be a little bit abnormal. As much as they're going to be able to make it feel normal, there's just going to be a Roger Goodell in his living room quality to it. Right. Right. But I'm happy it's here. Yep, and equally, I I don't know about you, I am so glad that they stopped having the Pro Bowl after the flipping Super Bowl, because that always felt like the biggest letdown in the world. Like, I, I never watch it anyway, but the Super Bowl, much like the national championship game, should be the last friggin' game of the year. And I, I feel weird when they have college football games or bowl games after the playoff games, let alone the national title game. But, yeah. This is the thing that we do every year that we lead up to, and that's why I also don't understand the Daytona 500, why your Super Bowl is the first thing of the year. <laughs> so. It's racing. They're all from down south. It's backwards. I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to try and explain it one way or the other. That, that is not up to me. I don't watch it. You know, that, somebody else's podcast can explain that. Anyway, it has been good to be with you this year. Uh, thank yes, you sir. for being the co-host and the uh, uh, ride-or-die partner on this one. So uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who's uh, decided to listen or that is regularly listened to us. Um, and uh, just the amount of things that the show has left in it and where we could take it yet. Um, I'm just kind of excited for all of the things that we still get the chance to do. So. Uh, Thank you to everyone, and uh, we will see you at the end of the Super Bowl for our last episode of the year. Wear a mask, everybody, and for all you college basketball fans, go UNC. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.